it's a hundred miles. It's gonna like suck and hurt a lot <laughs> at some point, whether you've been injured or if like you've been completely healthy and your training went perfectly. So, hello, welcome back to Mid September episode. I am so excited for fall. This episode is coming right after Wham 100, so we will do a recap on how that went. I'm recording this just before the start because if you have run an ultra or any race ever, you know trying to get something done that makes any sense a few days after won't make sense. So the intro comes right before. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really excited for Wham 100. It's got 6,000 meters, so 20,000 feet of elevation, give or take, and ascent, and very technical. The difference is I'm actually going into this race just to have fun. We were in Europe. We were traveling around. There was no way training was going to look perfect. And that sort of relieved any expectation, which is a really fun way to go into a race in a course that is so beautiful that my friends are running. I haven't run a lot of races that include a lot of my friends. And there's some out and backs on this course. And I cannot wait to just laugh hysterically with them and see how well they do because... As you guys know, I have some friends that run really fast, so it'll be fun to watch them run fast up close and in person. And I also have some friends running the 100 miler and the whole event is just gonna be epic. I cannot wait to just go have fun, a long day in the mountains. So today's episode is actually pretty fitting. It is with Anne. So Anne Kelly, I did a mini series on saying, I wanna to talk to some people who have run their first 100 mile or their first 100K and get what they learned. Because a lot of these long races, you can prepare as much as you want, but there's gonna be unknowns and your body is gonna give you specific unknowns. So you're gonna learn lessons, you might have to learn them once or twice, and it's never gonna be what somebody else told you because everybody's body reacts a little bit different. So I talked to Adrienne about her first 100 miler a couple weeks ago. And today I have Anne Kelly on to talk about her 100 miler and her 100K and then getting into a marathon. It's pretty fun. She talks about lessons that she learned, how to handle training when life is crazy. And the truth is, if you're not a pro runner, life is always going to be crazy to some degree. You're going to have things go on. And a lot of our conversation is just about how she dealt with changes in life and decided that she still wanted to do these races and what it was going to look like and how she got to the finish line. She also talked about having someone knowns going into races where she was used to having her husband crew her and then she had to go do one on by herself and sort of learning the realization that she can kind of accomplish anything she wants. Today's episode is brought to us by Gooder Sunglasses. Guys, I'm excited to announce that they've got some new shapes and sizes that are really going to blow you away. So if you haven't gone to gooder.com to check out what they are rocking right now, go do that. And you can use discount code TRW15 for 15% off at checkout. So if you get a couple pairs, get free shipping, get your 15% off. This is one of the best deals you're ever going to get. Okay, a couple of new things that they have. First of all, the visor frames. I am loving those. Don't need to spend a whole bunch of money on Botox. Just get visor frames because you will not have to get creases in your forehead it shades your whole face and they look so cool. So I'm pretty obsessed with those right now. And they also have a bunch of new frames for small faces. So that's kind of fun. I have a big head, but a tiny face. So I'm excited to, this sounds so weird, but I'm, I'm serious. 
my friends call it a pea face. Uh, I'm excited to see what these frames look like on. And you, again, can use discount code TRW15 at checkout. They don't slip, they don't bounce. They will absolutely add to your style, how much fun you have running and make you faster. That's not a guarantee, but I think it's probably highly likely because if you're having fun, your body doesn't hurt as much, therefore you run faster. It is all science, my friends. So go to goodergut.com to check out the new shapes and styles from them there. The second sponsor for today is MetPro. So we had a podcast episode with the founder of MetPro a few weeks ago, so I encourage you to go check out that one. They use metabolic profiling to figure out exactly where your nutrition is at and then how to increase the calories that you are taking in in a way that your body can handle and use to fuel your workouts. So one thing that we find with ultra runners on a regular basis is that they're under fueling and not recovering. And I think that there is a big push for women to eat less and exercise more. And this is a way to learn how to fuel better. And that's a generalization. That's not everybody, but it is definitely common to not quite realize how much food you actually need to perform your best. So MetPro is going to give you a specific program by giving you a free 30-minute consultation with one of their experts to find out exactly where you're at because a blanket program isn't going to work. We're all at a different set point and we can all fuel better. So if you go to metpro.com backslash TRW, they will set you up with a free 30-minute consultation. If you'd like to help out the show, a couple of things you can do is leave us a rating and review. You can just click the five-star button or leave us a written review if that helps make your day better because it definitely helps people find us. So huge thank you to that and definitely reach out on Instagram at hillsport55. And if you would like a backlog of episodes, I am putting them on Patreon. That link is in my bio and my Instagram as well at hillsport55. Quick disclaimer, there was something funky going on with the sound on Anne's end that you could not hear when we were recording, but as I edited back, I did notice. I tried my best to get rid of it, but it is a little bit noticeable, but it shouldn't hinder your experience too much because Anne's story is still really great. So just a quick apology and heads up on that. Thanks, guys. Okay, that is all for now. I will leave it up to my interview with Anne. Hopefully you get lots of tips from there. Baker, would you like to say goodbye? Bye. Welcome back to the next episode of the Trail Running Women podcast. I have a guest today who I'm really excited to speak to, who answered a question I put out on Facebook wondering if anybody learned a lot from the first 100-mile race and or their first 100K. And Anne Ruthenbach wrote back and said she learned a lot in both of them. We are going to get into all of those things and more. So welcome to the show, Anne. Thank you. Glad to be here. So why don't we start, as usual, with a brief history. Where are you from, and were you a runner as a kid, or when did you get into running? Okay, um, I grew up in south-central Wisconsin, and no, I did not run at all as a child growing up. I really was not into any kind of sports or athletics, Um my in my 20s maybe I ran a 5k here and there or like would run a mile or two on the treadmill to get my cardio in at the gym um yeah and then 
after my husband and I got married, we ran like a couple 5Ks, five-mile races together. Um, and then in my 30s, um, we both signed up for a half marathon and like we ran that and we were like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And then it kind of just took off from there as far as like we kept on adding distance and like both ran a marathon and then we kind of both got into running trails and then ultras finally. Oh, that's so fun. Do you guys run together now? Uh, we not a ton just because of like um, schedules and the kids and everything. Um, once in a while, we do like to get out on the trails together or we'll be able to run a race together. Oh, I love it. Uh, and so let's let's get a bit of your background before we get into your stories as well. How old are your kids? Uh, I have a 13-year-old son and a 10-year-old daughter. Okay, so you have been training a lot while they were growing up. So I'm excited to learn about how you managed the mileage that you need to do 100 miles and two young kids who, if at that age, are likely also full of activities and drop-offs and the whole scheduling thing that happens with children. Right, right. So how old are um, you now? I'm 44. And where are you living? We live in Carson City, Nevada. Okay, awesome. So actually, you know what, before we get into Yeti 100, what, uh, what was it and where were you kind of in your life when you decided to take on 100 mile and what was the longest you've done before that? Um, okay, so I signed up for the Yeti 100. It was, I signed up in January 2021. Um, and previously, I had done a number of 50Ks and one 50-mile race. And um, my husband had, at that time, run three 100-mile races. So it was kind of his influence <laughs> and persuading that got me to uh, sign up for Yeti and like to start to think I could like attempt that distance. I love everything that you said about what you learned because I think that it is so common for people to have bumps along the way with training and especially mm -hmm. for ultras and not realize that that is just kind of part of a, a really physically demanding sport and that you can still get through it. And I mean, you obviously kind of hit probably the threshold of what you can do to still start the race and do it. Um, yeah. So let's, let's get into it. So okay. sign up. And how many months did you give yourself to start training and were you working with a coach and, and how did things start? Yeah, I had, well, I, I paid for a plan. I wasn't like, um, that I got from a coach, but I wasn't like getting, like, I didn't get like the additional coaching where you could like, you know, reach out and ask questions on text or email. So I just got my plan and um, that started, I started the plan for my hundred in May of 2021. And then, um, and during that month also, my husband accepted this new job and um, it was like, oh, we're going to move across the country within the next two months. So that was all like, you know, happening like super all of a sudden and crazy fast. 
Okay. So when you learn that you're going to be moving across the country and your husband's got a job, Mm -hmm. talk us through kind of how you were training and mentally what that was like and whether or not you were kind of struggling with, okay, I got to pack the house and get my training in and, and actually do you know how much running per week you were doing at that time? Yeah. So, um, at, during that month, let's see, I was training for a marathon that June, which was like kind of part of my overall training for the hundred start out running like between 30 and 40 miles a week. And usually I top out about 50 miles a week. The race is in September. So ideally July and August would be your biggest training months. And how, yes. how much was on your plan at that time? Do you remember? Um, yeah, it was still not. Um, I liked this plan for hundred miles cause it was still, I think the mileage topped out at like 50 something miles a week. It wasn't like July and August. Um, that's just when like July was really crazy because my husband moved out to Nevada before the kids and I. So I was like in our old town. Um, I, the kids and I were in a hotel together. So like not having Andrew there to help with the kids and also being like in a hotel, like that was just like challenging to get my runs in then. Yeah, fair enough. So then you finally make the move out to Nevada, yes. which I just, yeah, that's a lot. I have moved a lot as a single human, but not as a full family yet. And I mm-hmm. I don't envy that job when I look at my kids' rooms sometimes. <laughs> yes, yes. So when you get there, you develop tendonitis in your foot. And yes. I think that's really interesting given the fact that your mileage wasn't crazy high. When you saw a PT, did they have a reason or a hunch of why this might have happened? Or was it just possibly stress on the body and trying to run at the same time? Yeah, no, there wasn't really um, a reason that that they could um, figure out, like they analyzed my gait and everything. Um, I'm pretty sure it was just like, a combination of trying to keep up with my training and then just like all, all the other stress at that time. And it just kind of like popped up from that. Yeah. I think that's interesting because I think sometimes people don't really realize that it doesn't have to be just overuse mileage, but if your body is stressed already mm-hmm. and your inflammation is high from that stress, that these injuries yeah. probably do come on easier. So all this stuff that coaches and people talk about these theories of, you know, really focusing on recovery. It's important for more than just the run you did that day, but sort of recovering from life to be able to then ask your body of so much. Yes. Yes, totally. Okay. So now we're in August. You're not able to run too much because you have tendonitis. And I mean, really, you would start tapering end of August almost. Yes. What was going through your mind mentally about whether or not you should attempt this race? Did you have any doubt? Oh, yeah. I had like a ton of doubts, like thinking every day, like I should not even try to do this race. <laughs> when did you start to feel better? Um, Let me think. It was right at the end of August, maybe early, early September. When you got to the race... 
at this point, obviously, you're going to be undertrained, but well rested. Yeah. What, what was your mindset going in as how you were going to get through it? Um, yeah, well, I had uh, planned to do run walk um, from the very beginning of the race. Um, yeah, and I just, I guess I just told myself um, I was signed up and, you know, I was going to show up and just get as far as I could. And if I did DNS, it it would be fine because that happens to everyone. And, you know, if I did DNF, like I had a couple of very good reasons why that would have happened also. Oh, that's good. So you kind of take the pressure off yourself right away. I like that. Yeah. I think sometimes people are afraid to try things because they're like, what if I can't finish it? But like, you could just start and do 10 miles and get an idea of what the start is like. And if you don't finish it, no one's mad at you. <laughs> right. Yeah. So tell us how the race went. Let's go through it. Um, it started off really well. I probably went out too fast. Um, so, uh, I was running really well and like uh, my foot was not bothering me at all during the race. So that was like super awesome. Uh, stuck to the run walk and by, let's see, the 50K point, like um, as far as my pace, I was like on pace to like run a sub 24 um, finish. Um, after that, like I kind of started like slowing down. Um, and then, but just kept going and like, I was still running at like 50 miles. Um, and then up to, I think like 60 some miles. And at that point, like I just started like hurting all over a lot more. And like, that was really somewhere in there. It just became a lot harder to like run. <laughs> yes. The moment that it becomes a lot harder to run. I know that moment. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the last 30 to 40 miles, basically you're at a, at your threshold. Yes. How did you get through those? I really wasn't able to run anymore. So, um, but I was still had on track time wise, like I had more than enough time for like the cutoff. So like, I was, it was just like, okay, we're going to hike it out. If we need to hike it out. My daughter was also there. So it was fun to see her at the aid stations. And yeah, like uh, my husband was a huge help uh, through the night. Cause that's like, I was really, really struggling then. Yeah. And then my, my friend continued to crew me as well. So like, I don't think I could have done it without them. <laughs> Still have to be pretty mentally tough to be in that position and keep going Yeah, and finish under the cutoff. Yeah. What do you think your biggest tool is when your kind of mind and body is trying to get you to stop and you know, you have 20 miles or some huge chunk like that left? Uh, yeah, like, yeah, it's just so hugely mental, like, um, people, I think people need to like, that's a really important thing when people start doing these longer 
races and ultras like um yes the physical training is important but like yeah just like having the mindset of like I'm not gonna quit and like it's a hundred miles it's gonna like suck and hurt a lot (laughs) at some point whether you've been injured or if like you've been completely healthy and your training went perfectly. So like you kind of have to remember that too, like no matter what or like how you feel at the start, like it's really going to hurt at some point and like just try to keep pushing through that. Yeah. If you go in knowing there's going to be times that hurt, but then you also kind of know there's going to be times where you feel good and you can kind of just roll with it, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when you got when you got to the finish line and realized that you had accomplished this, even given all of the struggles that you had leading up, how did that feel? Uh, it was just like so incredible and amazing, and I was just like <laughs> in total dis- disbelief. I think. Yeah, I feel like sometimes too you get disbelief that you actually got to the end because when you're in it, it feels like it's never gonna end. Like you'll never get there. Yes, totally. How was recovery after this? Um, Recovery, that was rough, like rougher, way harder any other ultras just because way harder and, um, you know, still all the stress from like the move and everything probably. Yeah, that's fair. So you can't really just go sleep. You've still got to get everything organized probably and settled. Yes. Yeah. So what would your biggest piece of advice to somebody who is struggling during training going into their next race? You just try not to freak out because life happens and it's not always a reason to like not start a race. If the mental part of these races can be just about as important as like the physical training. Our next sponsor has a product I literally use every day. So I started taking AG1 from Athletic Greens because I was having a hard time recovering and getting enough vitamins and minerals with ultra training, the addition of tennis, doing some CrossFit, and then chasing a toddler around. I have taken it for probably three months now, and I definitely have noticed that I'm recovering better, I have more energy, and my skin is even better, which is kind of exciting. We definitely took it on our trip to England. And we were staying in some kind of countryside areas with not a lot of access to fresh fruit and vegetables. So I gave the travel packs to my husband and my parents, and we were all able to get a scoop in every morning of 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens. And it really helped start our day off right. We definitely found that it was supporting better sleep quality and recovery especially with jet lag, our mental clarity and alertness totally improved by the end. And all three of them are now investing in their own package. So they have over 7,000 five-star reviews and recommended by professional athletes. So don't just listen to me, listen to actual pro athletes. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash TRWP. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash TRWP to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. 
you recover, you get settled, and then Lake Sonoma 100 really isn't that much longer away. May 28, 2022, so less than a year. So if it's a few months to recover and then you want to you want to train again, mm-hmm. what was it about Lake Sonoma 100K where you thought, all right, let's go back for some really long stuff again? Oh, <laughs> well, part of that, part is you know, being out on the West Coast now, uh, we were on the East Coast previously to moving out here. You know, my husband and I were both like, you know, super excited about like being close to all the like races and like mountains and stuff out here. And also, so since being out, out here now, we're, um, you know, pretty close to California and everything and not far from, uh, Western states. So my husband is like super really wants one of us to get into Western states someday. So he kind of talked me in to signing up for Lake Sonoma because that's a qualifier if you can finish under a certain amount of time. So um, like between that and like, I thought it, it just looked like a really cool race. Um, and everything and you know just like and wanting to like see different areas out here now um yeah so I signed up for it (laughs) (laughs) oh okay so pretty simple yeah (laughs) okay so let's talk about what you learned going into this race I think this is actually super cool because as you kind of alluded to in your 100 mile a huge part of finishing that race was the support of your husband and your crew. And it sounds like most of your ultras, he was there for. And then for this one, somewhat unexpectedly, you had to show up on your own. What were your biggest fears about doing that? Yeah, just, it was really just freaking me out to like go do this completely on my own because pretty much every ultra, my husband has been there uh, in some capacity, whether he's been like volunteering or pacing or a couple races, you know, a few races, we would run the whole thing together. Um, or as RD, he used to, where we used to live, he was um, president of our old trail club. And so RD for most of the races for the past couple years. So, like pretty much any time I ran, he was there and like, I was just have been really used to that in, in every ultra I've run previously. Okay. So you decide that you're not going to DNS and you get to the start line. Yes. As you start running, did it get, easier liberating what was it like as you started to realize okay I'm, I'm out here and I'm doing this yeah um I mean that's usually you know I always get nervous before races um so I was nervous before this one you know obviously more so just like being out there on my own but like with everything else I run like usually once I start running like that anxiety all goes away. So I got there, you know, got to the start, you know, started running with everyone at five in the morning and 
you know, it, it, it was totally fine then and just, you know, started checking off the miles and, you know, getting from aid station to aid station. Did there get to be a point where you were by yourself and thinking this would be a nice time to have other people or were you able to stay kind of headstrong the whole time? Yeah, I was really did mentally well the whole time. Got from aid station to aid station and had my drop bags and kept going. What about logistically? I mean, a lot of people, a lot of our listeners have to run races by themselves Mm -hmm. and it can be intimidating when you're reading the race website and it's like, your crew can do this and your crew can do this. What Do you have any kind of tangible tips for if you don't have a crew, how to set up your drop bags, things you might need, or how you handled the little jobs that they would normally take when you were just by yourself? Yeah, um, just make really thorough lists of like anything and everything you might need in your drop bags and like consider like the time of day, like you'll be going through the aid stations. Like if you might need like a headlamp at some point, or if it's later in the race and you want like different nutrition than you would like earlier, plan your drop bags out. And I think too, from running this race by myself, in some ways it can be almost easier doing that than like having to logistically plan like with your crew that they'll have to be at this point at this time. And, you know, it, it's almost like can be one more thing to think about in a way, if you know what I mean. Yes. I don't like having a crew (laughs) for that reason, Mm -hmm. because as much as it is amazing to see people and get excited. Yeah. I also feel like I don't want to worry that you guys might hit traffic or have to have everything planned or feel like I need to, yeah, logistically organize my friends and family. So I've just found it's easier to say like, okay, so I know I'm going to see these drop bags and do exactly what you said, where you just like play through, how am I going to feel when I get to that aid station? And then like I've done, okay, maybe in a really long one where you were allowed pacers, that might be different, but Mm -hmm. I've just told, especially my husband and my kids too, just told them like, Hey, if you can be at this place, that will be a super awesome bonus to see you guys, but not give them any jobs. Right. Um, So you get that boost of humans, but yeah, it's exciting when um, you sort of realize, okay, so I'm going into this aid station and I know what I need to do. I grab what I need out of my bag and I keep going and there's no messing around. I think it can save you some time too. Yeah. It totally saves time because I I do feel like when people have, crews at aid stations I do think they tend to like hang out at the aid stations a little bit longer for me it's helpful to just you know get there and keep moving yeah no you're absolutely right and I wonder if like you said if you're not out to win it so you want to keep moving but the time isn't a huge goal yeah Women feel more like, oh, these people came all this way. Yeah. I wonder if I should spend a minute with them. I wonder if there's like a social pressure that way too. Yeah, probably. Instead of like, okay, thanks. See ya. Bye. (laughs) It sounds like you had a good training plan, but things weren't ideal. I mean, you said you were kind of mentally in your head as well as dealing with a few injuries again, but you, you ran a great time, a 1622. And for under 17, you get 
a ticket into the Western States lottery. Yes. That's exciting. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> no kidding. How did you finish overall in this race? Um, I was 11th out of 16 females that finished. I can't remember exactly like uh, what my overall place was. And I'm sure the DNF list was high as per usual. Yes. Long yes. Ones with 15,000 feet of elevation. That's a yes. lot. <laughs> How did you manage to recover fast enough to run a BQ road marathon three weeks later? Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, with very little running. Um, right after I finished, at first I was or finished the 100K, I, I was thinking there's no way I can run a marathon in three weeks. But my husband told me, you know, just wait and see how you feel. So, yeah, I just took it way, way easy the next couple weeks and felt okay enough to start the marathon. And then to run a BQ pace. Yes, yes. I did. It was easier because I did get 10 extra minutes for a BQ this year because I will be 45 um, this coming April. So that was, that made it less challenging than it has been in the past. I think we can still credit this as an amazing accomplishment yeah. <laughs> in those 10 minutes. So will you run Boston? Um, you know, I am honestly not sure. I really don't know. I know that probably sound, might sound crazy. No, I can relate to that. I as well have the option for next year and I've okay. never run it and I probably won't. Okay. Okay. It's totally fair. I mean, especially if you have to travel and you've got a family, this is, it's a pretty big financial commitment. To it be like is, especially staying in Boston too, you know, like, you know, it's not cheap to fly, obviously. And, you know, staying in Boston for marathon week is really not cheap either. Oh gosh. Yeah. I can't even imagine. And if I, I mean, for somebody on the West, if I was going to go to Boston, I want to spend more time looking around than I do um, being anxious and then limping around. Right. Exactly. But I mean, it still sounds amazing. So who knows? Maybe one year. So you want to take breaks. Then this past Saturday ran uh, the Tahoe Rim Trail 50 mile. So yes. taking a break from ultras. So it sounds like what I didn't realize kind of before I got to the end of your bio is that you are a really accomplished road runner. How do you feel it translates into the really long stuff yeah I mean marathons or you know it just kind of just helpful to start with that if you're gonna start running ultras to have because if you're running if you're running marathons and then you know a 50k isn't that much five more miles it's more like wrapping your head around the time it takes to run ultras because they're going to be for the most part on trails and that's going to take for most people a lot longer yeah exactly I think you hit the nail on the head that it is the distance isn't that longer but if you are in a place with mountains you get somebody that shows up with no food and no water with their Boston Marathon running t-shirt and their road shoes there's more than just those extra five miles that's oh, about to happen. totally yeah so before we get into our last couple of quick questions what do your kids think about what you're doing? I think they're impressed. You know, they're kids. Um, 
our son has actually, he's done two half marathons. So he kind of has a little bit of an idea of what it takes physically, I think, to do that, you know, because, you know, having covered, you know, a distance like that already. And he is just like, why? (laughs) You know, like, like, there's no way, like, I would ever want to do that. But yeah, they're both like really supportive of us. And uh, something super funny my daughter says to us sometime because she sees like what my husband and I like go through with the, the training and these races and how like physically painful it can be. She'll say something like, no one's making you do this. You're just wrecking your own life. Like, <laughs> <laughs> One day she will understand. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I have no doubt that eventually they'll be towing the line for their first race and be like, well, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Okay. So a couple last few questions to end off. Okay. What's your favorite distance? Oh, wow. I think right now a 50 K you know, pretty manageable with, with life. And also you can go run and like, it's not going to take you a month or more to recover. Yes. I get that. If you could run a 50 K anywhere in the world, where would it be? I think it would be really cool to like go, um, run in, do something in like the countryside of like Scotland or Ireland. What is your favorite post-race meal after a ultra? That's tough. I mean, sometimes, yeah, sometimes I don't want to eat at all. Um, I guess if I had to pick probably like a really good burger and fries and a milkshake. Yeah. The salty, the salty goodness of the fries is kind of my go-to. for for sure. sure. And last question, if you could describe trail running in three words, what would they be? I would say freeing and empowering and challenging. Yes, those are awesome. I don't think anybody said empowering yet, and that's so true. That's exactly what it is. Yes, totally. So I want to thank you so much for your time and for all of the things that you learned. I think a lot of people who hear this, who are having some difficulties in training, going into a race are really going to benefit from this because not everybody feels amazing in training, even though you think they are because of Instagram, trust me. Oh, we're all for sure. Injuries. So if our listeners want to talk to you, do you have a, or find more from you? Do you have an Instagram or anything that they can reach out to? And if not, no worries either. Uh, yes. My Instagram is Anne Ruthen, A-N-N-E-R-U-T-H-E-N. Okay, awesome. And I will link to that in the show notes. And enjoy the rest of your summer without your crazy runs on the schedule. And I look forward to hearing about what you decide to take on next. Okay, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. This is Jeff Harrell, host of the Big Ass Runner Trail Running Podcast. I know you just enjoyed an amazing episode of Trail Running Women with Hillary, but maybe you've got more miles to cover. You're not quite done with your training run. 
Well, we would love for you to take us along for the ride. That's the Big Ass Runner Trail Running Podcast. Our goal is to entertain and encourage the everyday runner. We have a lot of fun. We have a lot of different segments. We would love to go on your next run with you. Check us out. That's the Big Ass Runner Trail Running Podcast.